Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. Are you a woman who's ready to excel in her career and her life? Are you ready to be a professional saleswoman by using your inherent qualities? Are you a woman who wants to be better prepared for a leadership position? Then you're in the right place. Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman. It's about women in business, work-life balance, leadership, and current events related to gender communications. Be prepared to be inspired, motivated, and challenged. Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman is your connection to women nationally, internationally, and globally. So get comfy and see what the buzz is all about. Find out more at www.sellinginaskirt.com. Now, your host, Judy Hoberman, on C-Suite Radio. You know, asking for help means you aren't smart enough to do something yourself. And asking for help means that you're weak. And asking for help means you're in the wrong position in business. Have you heard any of those statements before? They seem to follow us generation after generation and decade after decade. And it's time to put a new spin on an old tape. Seeking help is empowering. So whether you're an entrepreneur or starting a new position or recently got promoted, you find that there is one thing that rings true. It can be lonely. When you're in sales, and we all are, it goes one step further because unless you're in front of someone, your emotions go from being on to being alone. Now, I can remember a full day of appointments, and I would be in my car rocking out to some great music, and then I was on for the first appointment. Back in my car, and while the music was playing, I was listening and humming a bit into my next appointment and back on, back in my car, and well, you get it by now. You try and fill the empty moments with music or news, but in reality, you do feel lonely. And it doesn't matter if you have sold or not, it's still a lonely profession. Having no one to bounce ideas off in that new role, equally as lonely. Now, imagine you have someone you can reach out to and ask for help or ideas to get you to the next level. Wouldn't that be great? But if you did do that, would that person feel like you weren't sure about what you're doing or that you couldn't make a decision by yourself? Were you told to fake it till you make it? Would people think less of you if you showed up that you might need their expertise or their experience? See how that creeps back into your brain? Asking for help and support is such an easy thing until it's not. So what are some of the reasons why you should ask for help? 
Well, first, wouldn't it be great if simply by asking for help, you're creating brand awareness? When you let others know what you're doing, they're getting to know you and what you do. And if you have a great reputation and what you're doing brings values to others, it would only make sense that you would think of their needs that you have to offer and it turns around and it becomes this great chain. Well, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. The second is that it's good for your brand. Now, what about building your network? By reaching out to others and getting them to know you and letting them get to know what you do, your network is also growing. No matter where you are in your career, you need a solid network. And then third, what about growing your business? When you ask for help and check your ego at the door, people will help you. Those that don't, you have that magic word, next. Those that do become part of your network are strategic partners to help grow your business and can become that confidant that you need to feel comfortable enough to share your thoughts with. It's a win-win-win all the way around. Now, those are some of the basic reasons why you should ask for help. But when is a good time or the right time to ask for help? And I'm sure the first thing you thought of is when you're in trouble. You're not making money or you have no clients or everything seems to be going wrong. Now, while those are good times to ask, you also need the courage to do that. You can always ask for help when things are going great and you want to get to the next level as well. It doesn't always need to be during the gloom and doom that, that you might be experiencing. So here are some other times when asking for help makes sense. When you're just starting out or when you're entering into a new market or you want to grow your audience or you're looking for strategic partners or you want a promotion. The bottom line is you can always ask for help. It may take a few times to feel comfortable, but always remember that one of the habits of successful people is that they do ask for help. There are some great lessons and some great reasons to do that, but sooner or later, everyone will need to ask for help. Those that are successful do. Those that don't, guess what? The answer is always no. So at some point, you're going to have to do it. And it doesn't matter if you have all the money in the world or if you have zero. There will come a time when you will have to ask someone for their help. If you aren't good at it, start small and simply practice. And you won't be the only one that benefits from that request because when you share your expertise with someone else, think about how that makes you feel. It's pretty good when you see their reaction and hear their gratitude. Well, it will be the same for you and the person that you help. I always say that when you become a mentor, you learn as much from your mentee as they learn from you. This is no different. And have you heard the phrase walking in their shoes? So if you've asked for help and received it, and now you've been asking to give help, you know what it will feel like for that person to ask you and how difficult that might have been. So who's the winner now? And then if you never ask for help, do people think you have it all going on, even if you don't? Most of us will struggle now and then, and people expect us all to be human. You can't always be perfect, and that's too difficult, and it's extremely boring. Here's an example. When I was taking my insurance exam, there were no classes to take, and we didn't have a computer to do anything online. My children asked if I needed help, and of course, I declined after thanking them for the offer because I could do it myself, and why would I ever fail if I've never done it before? But I did fail by one point, and my daughter's comment was, thank goodness you're human. So need I say more? And then finally, when you ask and offer help, it creates connections and relationships. When you need something, they're already in place and people are ready to support you. So don't wait until you're struggling to ask for help. Don't celebrate your successes being lonely. Asking for help gives you a reason to be part of a group with colleagues and friends. It can be very lonely as an entrepreneur or being in a new position, but I think I started with that statement. So always remember, there's no lack of knowledge out there, just a shortage of asking for help. We're going to take a break to thank our sponsor, Walking on the Glass Floor. 
But when we come back, you're going to hear from my guest who will share her thoughts about being less lonely. This is Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio, and we'll be right back. What happens after shattering the glass ceiling? You're now walking on the glass floor. Walking on the Glass Floor, Seven Essential Qualities for Women Who Lead is a timely and indispensable business guide for all women, whether you're moving out of a dorm room or moving into an executive suite. Introducing readers to the seven keys to success in business and life, Judy Hoberman brings her fresh voice, sales savvy, and thoughtful approach to each of the essential and most powerful leadership qualities. Written in her trademark no-nonsense glass half-full prose, Judy's blueprint for business teaches all women how to cultivate and strengthen key skills that will serve them in both business and life. Uncover amazing qualities they already possess that will help them lead and succeed and harness universal leadership qualities to continue reaching their full potential. By providing authentic real-life case studies and inspiring quotes throughout, Judy fills each page with the timely advice women need right now. Walking on the glass floor is like having Judy Hoberman sitting right next to you as your business mentor, personal life coach, and best friend all at the same time. You can order your own copy of the book at walkingontheglassfloor.com. Welcome back to Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio. Well, I'm very excited for my guest, Jillian Richardson. She's committed to creating connection and community by organizing places where people feel seen, heard, and valued. As a professional community builder, public speaker, and writer, she's most known for being the founder of The Joy List, a weekly newsletter with the mission of reducing loneliness in New York City and eventually the world. She's been sending it out every Monday morning for three years, helping thousands of people build connection to both place and each other. In addition to her successful career in community consulting and event design, she also released her first book, a number one Amazon release called Unlonely Planet. So welcome to the show, Jillian. I'm super excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Judy. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's talk about the discussion of the day, asking for help. What do you think Mm -hmm. when you hear that? So it's funny because in my friend group, I am the person that people associate with asking for help. Because like you were talking about in the intro, I work for myself. And so if I wasn't publicly asking for help, no one would have any idea that I need it. And I run a project that I genuinely believe is making the world a better place. And if I care about it and I want it to grow and I want other people to feel more connected in their lives, it's my responsibility to ask for help. And I've had a lot of people tell me that them seeing me publicly ask for help, especially on social media, has inspired them to also ask for help. Interesting. But why do you think it's so hard to do that, especially for women? And we already know that. But why is it generally seen to be so difficult? I think it's a little bit of what you mentioned, which is the fear of being seen as weak or like we can't do it all or like we were struggling because, of course, there's kind of this this archetype in our culture right now of the woman who's doing it all, who's the mom and she's the business person and she's the girlfriend and she's the best friend and she's doing everything on her own. When really I think the people who seem like they're doing it all without asking for help are really struggling. And the people who are always asking for help because we always do need help, I believe, are the people who are truly thriving. 
Yeah, but, you know, we picture that woman with the big S on her cape and it doesn't even exist anymore. And yet we're still trying to figure out why can't we do it all? Because we're not meant to. There is, I forget what the name of the TED Talk was, but it was a woman talking about essentially what a woman's life was like all the way back in the cave days when you were just looking for food, taking care of kids, protecting your family, and that was it. And now that suddenly we're expecting our bodies to keep up with having a job, then going to take care of a family, then having a social life, all of these things that are, they require a lot of focus and commitment and energy. And for myself personally, I feel like I am way more grounded and centered and able to give a quality of presence to people when I have a lot of time to relax. People look down on relaxing a little bit that it's kind of like, oh, if you're not being productive, then you're wasting your time, which I don't believe is true. Mm. Mm. But if we do everything ourselves and we never reach out to anyone, doesn't that create loneliness? Oh, completely. I feel so much more connected in my life now that I know how many people are there to support me. Like for example, this week I I posted on Facebook just saying that I'm looking for a membership club in New York City to join. I'm considering Soho House, which is a club where you need two people to kind of refer you and say that they approve of you as a member. And within an hour, I think I had 50 people in the comment section saying that they would refer me as a member or they knew a different membership club they could refer me to because it was a super easy request. It's just me saying, Hey, who can help me? Who can give me a referral? It takes two minutes and people just want to see me succeed because I'm very open about right now doing things mostly on my own. And so it's just, to have that even virtual community of support, of course, I also have it in real life, but just seeing that representation of how many people really want to help. Yeah, I think we just have to give people a chance to do that. Mm-hmm. So you're a professional community builder. So how does one become that? Because it sounds so fascinating. <laughs> well, I feel like it kind of happened to me a little bit. When I moved to New York City, I was very lonely. This is super common, especially in a major city where I didn't really have a lot of friends in the city when I moved here. I was doing all the things that people say you're supposed to do to make friends, which is going to bars, going to shows, lots of loud spaces where you're yelling at people over music. Not exactly the best way to form deep connections. And I'd been in New York City for around six months and realized that I didn't really have any deep friendships that. I didn't have anyone where if I got sick or if something happened in my family, if there was a tragedy in my life, I didn't really have people who I felt comfortable sharing that with. And that started a journey of me just going to new spaces by myself over and over again until I could find the people I really connected with. And when I did, I really wanted to share those spaces with other New Yorkers because I don't know what your politics are, but in 2016, when Trump was elected, in New York City, the atmosphere was a little bit of confusion and despair. And I kept hearing people saying things like, I feel like I can't trust people. I'm feeling less faith in humanity. 
And it was a really interesting juxtaposition because while I was hearing those things in my own personal life, I finally felt deeply connected to other people. And I wanted to let people know where they could go to be in community. And that's why I started my newsletter was saying, hey, any day of the week in New York City, if you feel alone or disconnected, there are at least two places where you can go and feel seen and supported. Mm. And once I started this project, people were opening up to me constantly about their experience of loneliness. And that's when I realized that I'd really tapped into a social issue that not a lot of people are talking about. Well, I totally connected to what you talk about because I grew up in Queens and then I moved to Connecticut and no family or friends. And then I got divorced. So here I was a single mom in Connecticut. Like, yikes. And I, <laughs> I was single for the next 19 years. And I remember going to events and weddings and thinking I heard people commenting like, oh, poor girl, she's still single. Now, I don't know if they actually did say that or didn't say it, but that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. And I wish you had been around then. So how do you connect with people that are in situations that could be lonely? I think one is just letting people know that there is no shame in being lonely. And that actually, when you look at the numbers, most people in America are lonely. So two stats that I always love to give is that the average American has one close friend and 75% of Americans are not satisfied with their friendships. So we have one friend and most of us are not satisfied with that friend. So clearly, there's this deep hunger that most people have for deeper relationships. And we're just not talking about it because it's easy to assume, oh, I'm the only one with this problem. When in reality, if you stop someone on the street, chances are they are looking for more connection in their life. Mm. So why New York City? Well, for of course, first I started New York City because it's where I lived and that's where I... I was connected to the event scene, but also the more research I did, I realized that at least according to Time Out Magazine, which has a magazine in every major city in America, and they pulled their readers, and the readers in New York City identified as the most lonely. So there's a really big problem going on here, both in terms of the ways that our spaces are designed. There's not a lot of they call it third spaces or places where people can just go and hang out for a long period of time without pressure to buy anything, just a a kind of public living room. And also culturally, New Yorkers are under a lot of pressure to make a lot of money, to live here, to survive. We have a really competitive culture where it's very easy to see other people as competition instead of potential friends and collaborators. So there's there's a lot of stuff going against us from the get-go in terms of creating community. Mm, I I totally get that. You know, when I was snooping around on your website, which I always (laughs) do, I love, love, loved your video. You're not the only one. Mm. I thought that it made, you know, a lot of sense and it really brings things closer to people thinking like, okay, so I'm really not alone. So Mm -hmm. why did you create that? And what's, what's been the effect? So that video, it was so funny It was this guy named Kieran who was visiting New York City from New Zealand. He, I'm pretty sure what happened was he just reached out to me on Facebook and said, hey, I'm here in the city for a week. I was asking people who I should connect with. A bunch of people said that I should connect with you. He runs a co-working space in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up getting coffee 
and we were talking for a few hours and he just said, Hey, I have been really wanting to experiment with making a short film profiling one person. Would you be cool if I followed you around tomorrow? <laughs> and so it happened very quickly. I just said, yeah, sure. Okay. And we filmed for a few hours and he cut it down to that beautiful, like, I think it's a three minute video. And it just goes to show, I think, the power of being open to new people, saying yes to people, getting out of your comfort zone, because a lot of people have taken note of that video. I got a message from the United Nations actually after that video came out saying that they wanted to chat with me. And there's not a ton of people who've seen the video, but a lot of the right people did. And it made a huge difference to me in my career. Well, I think it's brilliant. I, I do. I think it's brilliant. And I will definitely share it with, you know, with my communities if you'd love me to, because I would, I'd be happy to. I just think it's, I think it's wonderful. I really do. Thank you so much. I would love that. Absolutely. So tell us about the joy list. Like you, you've done it for three years, every single Monday. So it's mm-hmm. something that people expect. And I'm sure when it doesn't show up, people are looking and saying, I hope she's okay. Mm-hmm. So how did it start? And why did it start? Yeah, it started really as a response to Trump being elected. I started it in November, 2016 as a way to let people know that when they're lonely in New York City, if they're feeling essentially in despair about the human condition, that there are so many gorgeous spaces in this city where they can go and be in connection. And as I mentioned before, that when I started this project, I did not know how deep of an issue loneliness is in New York City. And then I started to get emails from people. I started to have people coming up to me at parties, I started to get emails from people who didn't even live in New York City because all of these people just desperately wanted an outlet to talk to someone and essentially confess how lonely they were feeling. And to to zoom out a little bit, what the newsletter actually is, is it is a story from my week. That's how the newsletter always starts. It's a really brief four or five paragraph story of something that's going on in my life because I want to model the type of vulnerability that I want to see in the world. And then there's sometimes maybe like one or two ads of events going on in New York. And then two events for every day of the week that have a facilitated moment of connection. And some people ask, what does that mean? Well, there's a lot of event newsletters that feature things like movie screenings and art galleries and restaurants and experiences where it's very easy to go and receive something, receive a performance, and leave without really connecting with somebody else. And that's why people show up to these things is because really underneath it all, we want to connect with somebody else. And so I promote events where there is a facilitator there to give us permission to do the thing that we want to do, which is really deeply connect with another person. An example of that could be instead of just a yoga class, it's a yoga class followed by a conversation about body image. Or instead of a night out at a traditional New York City club, I promote ecstatic dance, which is a sober, substance-free dance space where there's no technology allowed. Things like that so that you know you will leave this space in a better mood than when you started. That's awesome. I love that. So do you think that people are disconnected because everyone is looking down at their phones or their watches or they never actually have to ever leave their homes because everything can be delivered to them? I mean, I personally believe that 
people need to be present. And by having like a no technology free zone is like one great way. But how do we encourage people to step out of their comfort zones and meet people and look up? Because when you look down, you're going to miss something. Yeah. I think again, it's just saying that this is such a normal way to feel that social anxiety is it's present in our lives and it's harder to connect with people because one, we don't necessarily have the social skills or the comfort level to really connect with a stranger. It's, it's a thing that I find it fascinating in our culture. We are so obsessed with talking about romantic connection and all the ways that we can find a partner and all the ways that we can make ourselves more appealing to a date. And we never talk about the skills that we need to form rich and meaningful friendships. And in reality, just like we constantly expect in the dating scene, that if you're meeting with someone from say like Tinder or Bumble or a dating app, there's going to be a lot of times when you're not going to totally hit it off with that person. And that's okay. There's no shame in that. But we don't talk about how that happens with finding a new community or finding a friend, that there's going to be spaces that don't feel right. And there's going to be friendships that don't work out. And that's okay. But for a lot of people, they have that experience and they lose hope because we think, oh, well, it's friendship. It should be easy. It shouldn't be work. It should just happen when that's simply just not true as an adult. Yeah, absolutely. I do remember moving from one state to another by myself. My kids were grown. I wasn't married. And when I moved, I remember asking the realtor, tell me about this community before I buy a house. And she said, you know, I can't tell you that. And I said, I just need to know, is it people like me, you know, single people, or is it, you know, young families? Because I just want to feel like I belong somewhere. She goes, you know, I can't Mm. tell you that. And so I said, can you tell me if there's more minivans or sports cars? (laughs) He says, there's a lot of minivans here. And I knew that I would feel out of place because I was at, you know, a different age and I, my children were grown and I just wish that there was a way that, and I know you really can't do it in real estate, but I wish there was a way that before you move somewhere that people say to you, you know what, you really should look over here or you really should try over here because these are the, these are your people. And and it doesn't happen like that. So when you send out the joy list or when you do the joy social, do do you ever, you know, say to people, you know, where do you live? And have you looked over here? If you want to meet more people, are you able to say that? And and people listen. In terms of locations to live in New York City, people honestly haven't asked me that before. If they did, I would be able to give them, at least from my experience, a sense of kind of the age demographics of certain neighborhoods very generally. Mm -hmm. But I think I have a better sense of neighborhoods that are really good for events. Like also this is a racial thing and a class thing, but I don't have a lot of events in Harlem or the Bronx or Queens in my newsletter. It's a lot of Manhattan. It's a lot of Williamsburg and Bushwick. So those are the places that I know and I'm more connected to. Those are really the areas that I have a little more expertise in. Right. Yeah, I totally, I, I get that. And, you know, it's hard. It's hard to be alone and it's hard if you're not open to receiving what you're delivering either. So tell mm-hmm. us about your book, On Lonely Planet, How Healthy Congregations Can Change the World. What made you sit down and write it? And what are, you, what are your expectations from people after they read it? So I sat down to write it because 
I saw a lot of books in the community space and I did not see one written by someone in my age group. Mm-hmm. And I know that people who are in their 20s, we have a very unique experience of wanting to be in deep community and millennials, Gen Z, we're the highest percentage of people that are not part of a organized religion. We identify as none, AKA no religion. We're looking for something that's bigger than ourselves and we don't know where to go. And that's been my experience of looking for something that feels really rich and meaningful and creating it for myself while hearing a lot of people who are also in my age group saying, you know, I, I feel completely disconnected. I don't feel part of something that's bigger than myself. I don't want to go to church. I don't know what to do. And so this book is a response to that problem. And the reason that the word healthy congregation is in the subtitle is not because I'm talking about church in the book. I argue that a healthy congregation can be any group of people that are really there to support each other. And that a group of friends, if there's a lot of energy and time and love put into it, can feel like a congregation because you're, you're helping each other grow as people, including spiritually. Mm-hmm. And I think people lose sight that that's possible even in friendship, that you can have chosen family, that you can have a spiritual connection to your friends. And it's just letting people know, here are some ways that I've done that in my own life and I'm not perfect, but hopefully these are some ideas that can spark you in your quest to form deeper connection. Yeah, I hear that. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if you've ever seen this commercial and I have no idea what the commercial is for. Honestly, I just love Mm. it. I've seen it like three or four times and it's about a a mom and her daughter, I believe, come home from the mom has been working. The daughter's probably at after, after school care or whatever. And they come home and they're in an elevator with neighbors. They don't know any of the neighbors. They go into the house and they look at each other and like they telepathically say, we need to do something about this. And the woman brings out a table and a lamp and she sets the table and then knocks on a door and the next neighbors, they come out and they bring a table and they all bring food. And by the end of the commercial, which is only a few minutes, the entire floor who has never met each other are there all sharing food. And that's mm-hmm. what that's what I envision that you're doing. Like maybe not exactly that, but that's what I envision you doing. You're, you're knocking on doors and saying to people, you need to meet each other. You need to mm-hmm. s- sit down and, and break bread with each other. Because I find every time I see it, I start to cry because I think it's so important. And I think we don't even know our neighbors. Oh, completely. I have that exact experience in my own building in New York City of... <laughs> My roommates and I play the game of, oh, let's see if we can get this person to look at us. Right. Because people will really even avert eye contact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And why? Why is that? Because they're afraid? I I mean, I don't get it. I don't get it. I think it's a fear, at least in New York City, of breaking a social norm of like, oh, okay, we're in this space together. Maybe there's a fear that you don't want to be spoken to and so I won't do it. But I think it's a huge detriment that like, my assumption is always that people want to connect. Yeah. And I think that some people, they don't have the social norms, like you said before. But you know, every single day that I'm out, I find somebody that I don't know and I say something kind to them. Like, I, you know, maybe mm. it's the color that they're wearing or the energy that they have, something. And the reaction I get is either like, who, me? Or they say absolutely nothing and they look the other way. <laughs> or they very quietly say thank you. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, there are people that never hear a kind word or haven't heard it in a while. And then it backfired on me because I was in a store and the, the woman at the cash register said to me, you look gorgeous. And I said, who, me? 
And she said, yes. <laughs> and I said, really? She said, has, has no one told you that today? And I said, no. She goes, and shame on them. And so I came home and I said to my husband, so how do I look today? He goes, good. I'm like, no, no, I look gorgeous. There we go. Right. And so that's what I'm thinking, you know, so, you know, when you connect people, they may not have had a serious conversation or even a kind conversation with somebody else in a while. So you're creating that, that way to, you know, open up lines of communication. And I think that's awesome. Thank you. I think for me, the thing that I am working on is knowing what level of depth to go to. Mm-hmm. Like my roommates and I will joke that if we're in a space, that's not necessarily our friend group of just other folks. And we'll, we'll go up to someone and be like, Hey, what's something you're really excited about right now? Mm-hmm. And people are, they're a little bit taken aback. And yeah. so to, to gauge how comfortable people are deeply just getting into a conversation from the get-go and kind of skipping the small talk. Yeah. It's got to be a, it's a funny reaction. It just is. It's like when you're going for a job and the recruiter says to you, so, cause I did this a lot. What, tell me something that's not on your resume that you're proud of. And they're like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, well, I want, no, I got into award. No, cause people don't really talk about themselves and the amazing things that they do. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, maybe, maybe you're changing that as well. I hope so. So how can our listeners get connected with you and find out all the great things you're doing? And if they're in New York, connect with you. Yes. So if you live in New York City, you can go to joylist.nyc. Actually, if you don't live in New York City, but you want the newsletter to come to your city, you want to stay connected and see ways that you can help in the future, there's a tab on the website that says add your city where you can fill out some information about yourself. And if you want to connect with me, I am that Jillian and it's Jillian with a J.com. And I am that Jillian on all social media platforms. And the last thing is my email is hey at joylist.nyc. So a question about that. Are you looking to meet people that are a certain age bracket or you don't care? Honestly, I'd be really excited to meet people in age demographics outside of 30, like outside of their 20s and 30s, because this is a thing. I actually have a book event coming up that will be intergenerational because It's wild to me that in New York City, most of the spaces I'm in, people are in their 20s and 30s, maybe people in their 40s. I actually recently started attending a church because I felt so removed from people who are either children or in their 60s and over. That's not natural. It's... It's not how humans are supposed to be. Yeah, that is that is a little strange. Okay, so what's the best advice you can share with women who are in leadership positions, according to Jillian? Ooh, the best advice. Honestly, I think it's circling back to what we were talking about before, which is asking for help. And that doesn't just mean career help. It also means just reaching out and saying, hey, I would love to get together with a group of women every other week just to hang out and talk about what's going on in our lives or saying to a friend, Hey, I really prioritize our friendship and I want us to go deeper and feel really connected to each other. Are you open to having a phone call once a week? Just things like that because consistency and friendship is really key. And in our modern world, we need to schedule those things. Asking for that feels really vulnerable, but it's going to do wonders for both your mental health and the person who you're asking. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jillian, thank you so much for sharing the mic with me. You've got such great energy and I love what you're doing. And it really doesn't take a lot to change the world one person at a time. So thank you for doing that. 
Thank you so much, Judy. I appreciate it. Excellent. And I want to leave everyone with this quote. Sometimes life takes an unexpected turn in the right direction. I thank you all for listening to our discussion where we share some extraordinary guests, some ideas for your business and ways to stand out as the amazing women that you are. Now make sure you stay connected with us. And remember, women want to be treated equally, not identically. Until next time, this is Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.